Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. Last week, we discussed how Jesus demonstrated what true greatness actually looks like. And this week, we're going to dive into Jesus' greatest commandment to his followers and the loopholes we grasp for to avoid following it. With that, let's turn it over to Pastor Todd and his message, Looking for Loopholes. I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to find a clever loophole. Whether it's in a hockey pool or a card game, if there is a way that I can find a gap in the rules that will help me beat you, I will probably try and take advantage of it. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not a cheater. I'm a firstborn, so from the very beginning, I have been programmed to follow the rules. But if there's even a small gap, I'm probably going to try and use it. See, I thought that I had stumbled upon the best loophole ever about 16 years ago. I was working at TELUS, and I was kind of, there was two tiers of diagnostic technician on our team. I was the lower and younger part, and then there was the next level, which is where I was going with my career. And there was one night where the gentleman I was working with was using his PC for some inappropriate means, and this kind of fast-tracked my career as I got bumped up into a new position. Now, there was a bit of a catch to this. This was a few weeks before Christmas, and this was a shift role, and the next shift that I'd be on would actually be working 11 days straight, including four 12-hour shifts in Toronto, this was my firstborn's first Christmas, so this was hard to take, but it was also an opportunity for me to be a bit of a hero at work. My manager and I discussed a new compensation package for me, which was, I thought, pretty generous. I was going to be getting a 10% raise, I was going to be getting extra time off, some guaranteed overtime, and it was where I wanted to go anyway. And like many big companies, it takes a while for the paperwork to go through, but it was March or April, and finally I got my pay raise. And I looked at my pay stub, and I thought, that number doesn't look quite right. So I looked at it again and did some calculations and realized that they actually gave me a 30% raise. And that's where the loopholing started. I tried to justify in every possible way how this raise could be legit. Because after all, I, I saved the company's butt, I did this right before Christmas. I missed my baby's first Christmas, or at least a lot of it. And I was thinking about how much I cared about my job, and I tried to do a good job, whereas some of the people I worked with, maybe they had long passed those desires to do a really great job. But I couldn't leave it there. So I decided to go to my manager. But again, I was going to do everything in my power to find a loophole in this. And I explained to her that this is actually a pretty good deal for her that actually I do care a lot and I will do a good job. And really, I was just making what the older guys that had been around for 20 years are making anyway, and we're doing the same job. So can't we just, you know, make it work? And I, I remember even saying to her at one point, I was like, you know what, how about just next year? I don't even get a cost of living increase. Just let me keep this 30%. Well, no dice, no loophole. My pay went back where it was supposed to be. And at no time was I really trying to be dishonest, but I desperately wanted it to be true, and I was looking for every loophole that might make that happen. Now, the definition of a loophole would be this, an omission or unintended logical gap in the text of a statute, a contract, or a set of rules, 
used to evade original intent. What's the craziest loophole that you've ever seen? I know sometimes loopholes are things that we really like, and sometimes they're really frustrating. I, I have numerous friends that are police officers, and there are loopholes in the justice system right now that are very frustrating for them. Week after week, month after month, they're arresting the same people for doing the same crimes, and again, a few weeks later, they're there doing the very same thing. That loophole is really frustrating. Right now, if you're a hockey fan and you're watching the NHL playoffs, there's one team that loves a loophole in the salary cap. The Tampa Bay Lightning are playing right now, and there's something like $18 million over the salary cap. There's people, there's reporters and other teams calling them cheaters because they are over the salary cap. They have found a loophole to help them succeed. Today I'm going to be continuing this two-part series, and we're going to look at some loopholes that we find today and that people found 2,000 years ago when we look, when Jesus shared with them the greatest commandment. Now last week, we were looking at John 13, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He turned their concept of greatness on its head. He completely changed what they thought of greatness. See, to be great in Jesus' kingdom meant to humble ourselves and to serve others. And as we serve them, we actually become more humble. And that was the definition of greatness. The disciples got this confused. And we get this confused all the time. See, we find ourselves chasing things like this. We find ourselves uh, chasing trophies, achievements, positions, and titles. And if you'll remember from last week, that's why we read a couple passages in Mark, and the disciples were doing the very same thing. They were looking for positions and titles. That's what they thought greatness was. But Jesus indicated it was actually more um, like a towel. And he actually demonstrated it using a towel and washing their feet. We need to humbly serve other people. And we finished last week with a challenge. I asked that whether there's a really big task to be done or a really menial task, or maybe it's something that doesn't feel like a task, but it's listening to someone and taking the time to truly give them your time. I was asking that we would all choose to serve. Now this week, we are going to continue uh, in the book of John and in chapter 13. And now where we left off was at verse 16 last week. And after verse 16, there's some verses I'm not going to read, but essentially this is where uh, Judas is identified as the betrayer of Jesus. And he has now left the scene. And again, if you didn't watch last week, like this is a really intimate dinner. This is one of the last times that Jesus is going to eat with his disciples to share these messages. And I'm going to read right now, starting in verse 34, and it says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. That is what Jesus shared with his disciples that day. It wasn't by their words, it wasn't by their looks, it wasn't by their doctrine or how much they went to church or how much they gave at church. It wasn't how well they followed all the Jewish rules. See, the telltale sign for the disciples then and the telltale sign for us now as Jesus followers is how well are we loving one another. And that leads me to ask a really hard question of myself and you maybe to ask it of yourself and just us as Christians in general. Is this what we're known for as Christians in our city? 
the people that know you, is that how they know you, as someone that loves? Now, John isn't the only gospel that talks about this. In fact, I'm going to go to Matthew right now, and Matthew chapter 22. Now, to give you a little bit of context, Matthew 22, all around the verses I'm going to read, there are religious leaders, not people that are totally against God, religious leaders that are pushing against Jesus' authority and trying to find loopholes in the system. But Jesus says this in chapter 22, starting at verse 35. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Again, he's, he's trying to trap him here. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. Now, Jesus, this wasn't brand new for these people, and these lawyers would have known it. Those are actually both found in the Old Testament, found in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. As Jesus followers, we are to love God and to love people. But again, he didn't really want to know that. He was trying to trick Jesus in this moment. But it's really important that we recognize that Jesus was actually combining those things. He asked what the greatest commandment is, and it sounds like Jesus kind of gave him two. But there is a really close connection to those things. Now, if you've attended Pathway for any length of time, or maybe you've been watching our videos on YouTube or whatever that might be, you have heard Pastor Nathan talk about this. He talked about our vertical love to, towards God, but also horizontal love that is towards the other human beings that are around us, that are in our life, that are in our family and at work. And we can love God vertically. We can pray to God. We can worship God. We can sit in silence with God. These are ways we legitimately can love God. But we've got to remember that God is a parent. And just like if someone loves my child, I feel like they're loving me too. And, and if they're really nasty to one of my kids, like I don't really like them very much, and they're not showing that they like me very much. And, and God's very similar. See, as we love each other, as we love horizontally, we are actually showing God that we love him as well. It's a big reason that in our church, we try and do things like egg hunts and, and the Four Peterborough Initiative. It's why we do church in the format that we do it. But Jesus introduces this concept, or he's trying to introduce it to these people, and also to us as we read these scriptures, that as we love the people that are around us, we are actually loving God. Sadly, it doesn't always look this way. In fact, there's a quote that many of you have probably heard from Gandhi that says this, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are nothing like your Christ. And that's sad, and that's sad in general, but it's sad when I just think about myself, the times that I have not been like Christ when I'm around people. And this is where things get a little bit uncomfortable, and it, and it did probably in these conversations that we're, we're reading about, but also in our own lives. If this is the greatest commandment, we know that it's important. But, just like we often do, the religious leaders immediately are trying to find loopholes. They wanted to know not how they could do what Jesus was saying. They wanted to know how they could keep doing what they were doing and still be justified and still be right by doing the things that they'd always done. They were looking for a loophole. And I think if we honestly ask ourselves, I think some of us have done this too. So I wanted to talk about four different loopholes 
that they did back then and we still do now, um, ways that we try and reconcile the greatest commandment so it can fit in our box as opposed to what Jesus' original intent was. Loophole number one would be this, that we would love God but not people. See, and this can be tempting if you've ever been hurt by someone um, or maybe you just get annoyed by people sometimes. I know there's some people like that. But it can be really tempting to just say, no, no, I'm just going to love God. I'm just going to read my Bible and I'll pray and I'll go to church sometimes and that's good enough. But actually, if we read from the book of 1 John, so this was written a little bit after that gospel. We read in 1 John 4, verse 20. It says this, If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has, he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, talking about Jesus, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Loophole one doesn't work. We cannot love God without loving other people. And we're going to start noticing the very end of that verse where it says, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We're going to notice the similarities in all of these verses that we're going to be reading. Which brings me to loophole number two, that we would love God and also love the people that agree with us. And for this, I just wanted to read in uh, the book of Galatians, which is one of the letters uh, that Paul wrote. And we're going to read in chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. And it says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Here it is again. It's almost like there's a theme here. It's almost like the Apostle Paul had grabbed a hold of that truth that Jesus had spoke. And he was saying that we need to love one another. That this is so important. We cannot love God without loving others. And I like the language that's used in this. I don't know that there's anywhere else in the Bible. I honestly didn't look. But I can't think of anywhere where he talked about biting and devouring one another. But I think about now, I've never, in at least my 41 years, I've never um, seen it so that there was such a divide politically and in different denominations and Christianity all over the place. There's so much division. This biting and devouring one another, I feel like we see it all over the place. It's so easy to do now, right? You just have to hop on social media whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, if you don't agree with someone, you just, you like verbally rip their heart out on your Facebook page or on your Twitter page or whatever that is. We do this so often, but we can't do that. See, Jesus says that we're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to love the people around us. But when we do this, when we only love the people that agree with us, we're trying to find a loophole that does not exist in this command that Jesus gives us. Which brings me to loophole number three. To love God and love the people that are like me. See, again, a bit of background. The religious leaders at this time spent the better part of two chapters here trying to trick Jesus. And we're going to be going to Luke 10 right now. So they were trying to trick Jesus. Again, they were trying to find a way that they did not have to obey this law. Because it's hard. It's hard to love your neighbor. I'm just going to read a few verses right now, uh, starting in uh, verse 25 of chapter 10. And behold, a lawyer 
again, a lawyer, one of the religious leaders, stood up to him, or uh, stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. See, he, he actually knew this because, again, this was in the Old Testament. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now this is really interesting because clearly this leader, he got it up here, but he didn't get it here. He, was still, he heard the words that he needed to love his neighbor, but he was trying to justify a way that he didn't have to love everybody. Because loophole number three is we want to love God and love the people that are like me. Now, how did Jesus respond to that? He actually responded it with a parable, a story. So it's not a true event, but it's a story used to illustrate a point. And Jesus told a story called the Good Samaritan. You may have heard it. Essentially what it is, is there's a man walking on a road. He gets beaten up, he gets robbed, and he got left for dead. And soon after, there's a priest that walks by, one of the religious leaders. He walks by and he does nothing. He just keeps walking. And then a Levite comes and does the very same thing. He walks by. He does absolutely nothing. But then there's a Samaritan. And again, for some context, the audience that Jesus is talking to right now, Samaritans were not their favorite people. In fact, they really didn't like Samaritan people. But in Jesus' story, he uses a Samaritan that comes, that binds up all those wounds, that actually takes this person to an inn, pays for his care, takes care of him. He is the hero of this story. And we read in verse 36, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. One thing really sticks out to me. This lawyer, this person that was apparently looking to find out how he could you know, follow the rules or follow Jesus' command, he was looking for a loophole so hard he couldn't even see it that he couldn't love people that weren't like him. He couldn't even say that the Samaritan was the hero of this story. He actually just had to say the man that showed mercy. How many times do we do this in our lives? It, it's so easy to look back at the Bible and look back at thousands and thousands of years ago. But even recently in the news, I, dozens of years ago, we're finding about some really awful things that happened not way over there and way back then, but in our country, in residential schools. Some terrible, terrible things that have happened. What is the root of that? Because these were organizations looking after this, that these were connected to churches and church groups. How is it possible that they could have thought they were loving one another while treating people like this and abusing people and, and now we're finding these mass graves. It's absolutely heartbreaking. But again, let's go a step further than that. What about me? What about us? Do you love people that aren't like you? Whether it's a different nationality, skin color, uh, maybe someone with different interests, whatever it is. But that's an answer that we can only get ourselves. Loophole number three, loving God and only loving people that are like me, that simply doesn't work. Which brings me to loophole number four. There's some that will try and love people and meet all of their needs, but they will completely ignore God. 
We see this in the world all over the place. Because there's altruistic, really good people that legitimately want to help. But when they leave out God, they leave out the thing that people need most. If you've ever talked to Tony Jones about what he sees in Haiti, he sees that Christian organizations and non-Christian organizations, they come and feed people and clothe them and take care of all kinds of needs. And that's good. We should do those things. But even the Christian organizations often won't even talk about the love of Jesus. The number one need that they have in their life. You know, loophole number four does not hold water either. We cannot love people alone and completely ignore God. There's simply not a loophole. But there is a better way. There's a better way that we can try and follow Jesus' greatest commandment. How we can love God and love people. And I talked about it a little bit last week. Because it involves serving and it involves humility. But I want to take it a step further. I think this actually involves changing our mind or changing our heart to have one that is very servant-minded. And I just wanted to read a couple verses in the book of Philippians. Again, another letter uh, that Paul wrote. And just a few verses talking about how Jesus did this. Verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Jesus, taking the form of a servant, being born of the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. How did Jesus love God and man? He not only served, but he took the mindset of a servant. By being of that mindset, if you look at Jesus' entire life, he spent it lifting others up. He would lift God up and God's name up. And he would lift people up by teaching them and healing them, forgiving them. And at the end, giving his very life for them. You know, we're not ever going to do it perfectly. Um, we're never going to be exactly like Jesus, but it's a worthy goal to walk in that manner. But you know what? We must also recognize this is a step further than simply choosing to serve. See, choosing to serve is important because choosing to serve is that first step that we need. Because as, as I talked about last week, as we serve and, and humility grows in us, there's that selfishness and all that ugly stuff gets worked out. In scripture, it often talks about us being transformed. And that's what God is doing as we serve. But there's a big difference between being an occasional server and having a servant's heart. See, there, the best way that I could describe this is to look at the two different things. A server. Uh, an example of a server might be a waitress at a restaurant. Last week was my wife, Carolyn, and I. It was our 19th anniversary. And it was really awesome because we haven't been able to go anywhere like everyone else for a long time. And we went to the keg. And we sat out on the patio. And we had a really great night. And something that helped that was we had a really great waitress. She was kind, had a big smile. She brought us food and drinks and dessert. And at the end of the day, she handed us a bill. And we had to pay it. And we gave her a tip. And oftentimes, this is what a server is, right? They, they serve when it works for them, which makes sense. It's something that's temporary. It's not a way of life. It's just during certain hours. 
And often they're motivated by something that they're going to get in return, which in this case would be money. And that all makes sense because all of us that have jobs experience this. And again, a server can be very valuable. But this is not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about being servant-minded. And the word can, maybe sometimes you hear the word servant, and you maybe don't think the greatest things. But this is actually the mindset that Jesus lived his entire life with. See, someone who is servant-minded serves all the time. They serve when there's a need, not just when they feel like it. See, their whole position of being servant-minded is, is just that. It, it is how that they have decided they're going to live. They're not motivated by what they're going to get, not at all. They're motivated fully by what they can give. And we see Jesus as the ultimate example of that. But again, when we think of this greatest commandment, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, we can follow in Jesus' footsteps in this, and we absolutely should. But I know sometimes that can be hard. So I wanted to put it in a bit of a different context for you. I wanted to talk about a couple that goes to our church that I see this mindset in for as long as I've known them, which has been quite a while now. And that would be in Dave and Michelle F. Grave. See, when I see these people, I see people that have a servant's heart. They do. They don't just serve when it's convenient. They are constantly serving. Their whole life is serving people. If you have kids in this church and they're a little bit older, there's a good chance that your kids were in their Sunday school class. There's a really good chance if you have kids of any age, the first high five they ever got at Pathway, the thing that made them feel belong was from Mr. Dave. You know what? They have led life groups. They have led Sunday school. They've led parking teams. They've hosted some of our church's first picnics, our church's first baptisms. They've been involved in any event from egg hunts to whatever. They're involved in all of that, but it's not just about church stuff. See, they do way more than just church activities. Through their business and also through their own time, through their creativity, they have lived their life to serve others. And I bet there are probably dozens of people and families that are listening to this right now that are like, yep, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense because they have served me. They have served my family. And that's when it kind of gets personal, right? That's when we can read scriptures and look what people thought of 2,000 years ago. But when it affects me, it gets really personal. And I think of what the upgrades have meant to our family. And they have done all kinds of stuff to help us. In fact, I actually get embarrassed when I think about how good that they've been to us. But it all comes out of that servant-minded heart. They have moved chicken coops for us. They have delivered dirt bikes to us. They have shown up to birthday parties with gifts for our children that they absolutely didn't need to bring. And when they show up, they're just like part of the family. But there's one instance that really stands out to me. It was within the last two years, closer to two years ago, but Michelle called me and she asked, hey, I know Carolyn's been working a lot more lately, and I just really felt that I wanted to go to your house and just help really do a deep clean of your house. I have a friend that's going to come, we really want to do that. And for those of you that, that have never visited us, um, I don't think we're a complete disaster, but our house is probably not going to be featured on the front of like Martha Stewart magazine. I don't even know if that still exists. We don't post pictures of our house to Pinterest. We just don't do that. We sometimes will prioritize some fun and adventure, and sometimes our house is a little messy. And, and Michelle probably knew that, but she legitimately, she wanted to help. So I asked Carolyn, and Carolyn, she was kind of embarrassed at first, but then 
She was like, all right, well, if she wants to do that, that's great. So I went to work, Michelle shows up, and they clean through the whole house. It was really, really clean. And I remember getting home and thinking, wow. And I was just like, thank you, that's incredible. But then they left, and I was like, I didn't go through the whole house. But I went up to our bathroom, and uh, they did more than clean. And it was just really small things, so it seems a little bit silly, but it meant a lot to us. She had like little baskets to organize like toothpaste and deodorant and stuff like that. Bought a stool and I think maybe a shower curtain or something like that as well. But they also had these laid in. They had these towels for every person in our family. And these towels are not probably the most expensive towels. In fact, I think she said they got them at Walmart or whatever. And maybe she was just downplaying it. But the fact that someone would do that for our family meant a lot. And I learned something that day, because not only do we love God when we love others, but that's also how God loves us. I remember sitting in that bathroom, well, standing actually, we're standing there looking around, looking at all this, and honestly, I felt like I was getting a hug from my Heavenly Father. What a difference that that can make when we choose to have that servant-minded attitude. That day, I felt the love of God. It was not just a shade of the love of God. I felt the love of God through Michelle. And I think during the day, too, she ordered Dave to go pick up some mulch, too. And she also did our gardens just because she's Michelle. and That's just how they work. You know, it wasn't because of the tasks that were completed. Like, the tasks that were completed were appreciated for sure. But it was the heart that went through it that really, really impacted me. Which brings me back to the greatest commandment. What would happen if we all tried to live our life with this servant-minded approach? Would we be loving our neighbors and loving God through doing that? I don't think there's any question. What would our families look like? What would our workplaces look like? What would our church look like? What about, let's think bigger, what about our city? What if, when you went to your kid's sporting event or whatever, when people found out that you were a Christian, never mind even went to Pathway Church, but you were a Christian, immediately they were drawn to you because they felt loved by you in their community. You know, we can imagine it or we can actually do this in our community. I would hope that the reputation in our city could be that Christians are people that love other people. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're watching this message, maybe you're somewhere on that journey, you just haven't made a decision yet, and uh, I just wanted to let you know that there is someone that loved you so much in Jesus. That he lived a life here and he gave his life for you. And not just so you can do good deeds or, or do good tasks and clean people's bathrooms. It's not about that. This is about real relationship with a real Savior that you can really know today. I would encourage you. There are no requirements that you have to be in a church or have to whatever. Just pray to God. Just talk to him. And say, God, I want you. I want to learn this way of living. And then I also encourage you, reach out to us. Reach out to us at the church and the office staff. We can help you come up with next steps on your faith journey. For those that are already Christians, it's really tempting to turn this into just doing good deeds and ticking another thing off a box. But I think it's so important that everything we do when we love our neighbor and when we love God, we do it out of a grateful heart for all that Jesus has done for us.
There are no loopholes to greatness in the kingdom of God. As I pointed out with Dave and Michelle, this is actually a way of life. And as I wrap this series up, I want to encourage every one of us to not only choose to serve, but choose to have a heart for those around us. Choose to have that mind of Christ that we read about in Philippians 2. And allow God, as we do that, to change us more and more. It's not going to be perfect right away, but allow God to change us in those ways. By doing this, I think we will help other people experience the love of God. And we will get to know it in a new way. And we will do this by following Jesus' greatest commandment. To love God and to love people. Loving people, not just because we have to, but out of grateful hearts for all he has done. I can't think of anything greater than that. I'm just going to take a second to pray. God, thank you so much for this series and this message. God, some of this stuff is really hard um, because it might seem like surface stuff, stuff, but it's actually hard stuff, God. And Father, anyone that doesn't have a relationship with you now, I pray that... Uh, you would just meet them where they're at, Father, as they call out to you and reach out to you, that you would be right there, God. And that you would surround them with like-minded people that would help them grow in their faith. And for those that have been on a faith journey for a long time, Father, I pray that you would help us to put aside all the ways that we try and find loopholes, reasons that we don't have to love certain people or people that aren't like us, uh, people we don't agree with. God, I pray that you would help us to truly love our neighbor and in doing so follow Thank you so much, Todd, for that amazing message, and thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week, and we hope to see you next time.